Tuesday Night Mystery Club. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday Night Mystery Club, a show where I tell guests a mystery story and they try and guess the solution. I'm your host, Caitlin McCluskey, and today I am joined by Kirsty and Eric. Hello. 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 So I, I met Eric in university and Eric is dating Kirsty and now we chat all the time. So that is that is our relation. Uh, <laughs> how did you guys meet? What a weird way to <laughs> What? Answer the question. <laughs> oh math my gosh. class. Yeah. High school Cut it out. Math Cut the tape. Class. McNeil's Cut the tape. What, what was it? McNeil's Math Eleven, like AP. Uh... Cut all of this out. No wait, we, <laughs> we were we brand. before that, right? We we met in like the tenth grade. I think we uh, took like count. English ten enriched together, and he introduced himself as like, oh, I can. Uh, recite like this was a mistake this was a mistake cut it all out cut it all out here we are today eric can you still recite 100 digits of pi i never could recite 100 digits of pi oh it's all start with that is that how you get girls i could i can recite a stupid number of digits of pi and it has not gone down but i could never hit 100 it's too many okay uh do you have a number yeah, Caitlin, you can have my number. It's uh, 857. <laughs> don't say it. I'll keep it in. Oh, I, okay. I did get a call. From, I don't know if you guys get this, but you know how they're using, like, scammers or can use your phone number to call other people? Yeah. Yeah. So I got a call today from a guy being like, hi, I just received a call from this number. And I went, oh, probably a scam oh. using my number. This is my personal phone. And he went, okay. Right. Oh, I thought this was going to be, no. you know. Nothing exciting. Yet a fun chat. I I guess it just bothers me that they're able to do that because I don't understand it at all. How do they do it? How do they get my number? How do they use my number to call people? Uh, Okay. Yeah. Same here. We we all shrugged. (laughs) Sorry. No. This is not just just picture. We all shrugged. (laughs) Not a video podcast. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If if you know listeners, write in. To the podcast. <laughs> yes. Okay. The email is Tuesday Night Mystery Club at gmail.com. Uh, tell me how scammers use your phone number. Um, you can also, actually, while we're on the subject, if, if you want to play along with this mystery story and you want to try and guess before before I give Kirsty and Eric the solution, you can pause the show when we get to that point and write into the email with your guess, and I will read it on the show in a future episode. It doesn't happen very often, so that's why you don't hear other people's guesses. But <laughs> it could be you. <laughs> uh, do you guys have anything else to add, or would you like to get started? Nope. Let's get. I'm excited for this. I'm no. so ready. Okay, great. Yeah, right. So sorry, Eric has been on four times, and this is Kirsty's first time. So really exciting. Mm-hmm. The third time, what got lost? Oh, right. <laughs> Right, so we Some won't technical count that. difficulties. So. <laughs> now you can hear Eric's voice again. <laughs> okay, uh, another thing, Kirsty and Eric both have a character list that I have given them, and if you are a subscriber to the Patreon, which is Patreon.com/TuesdayNightMysteryClub, you too can have a character list that is at any any tier, any level. A beautifully designed character list. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is so high quality. Colors, wow. 
<laughs> I wouldn't want to miss out on this character list. Really? Yeah, no. It, it really is beautiful. I don't know how you Patreon. designed this. Patreon.com slash Thursday Night Mystery Club. <laughs> I won't give away my secrets. I'm just that good at designing. Anyways, <laughs> the, the story we're doing today is called Murder in Three Acts. It's another Agatha Christie murder mystery. It's written in 1934, so post-World War I, pre-World War II. Uh, I feel like... That's important because, you know what, whatever, moving on. Uh, so this is a Mr. Satherwaite slash Hercule Poirot mystery. So Hercule Poirot is one of Agatha Christie's main detectives. He's he's a was a Belgian detective in like the police force and then became a private investigator in England. And he's technically re- retired at this point in the Agatha Christie lore, but he comes out of retirement a lot to do certain mysteries so this is one of them and mr satterthwaite is he's been in the short story collection the mysterious mr quinn and he's not necessarily a detective he just is really interested by human nature and so notices a lot of things and because in his like short story collection he was involved in a lot of crime stories and so he like considers himself knowledgeable on murder or crime is this the dude that like um he'll hear the story afterwards and then he'll uh like get insight on like what happened that like the other characters missed during or is this a different character are you speaking from past podcast listening yeah oh no is this the same guy (laughs) i no, mr satterfleet is normally there while it's happening well wait what maybe the mr quinn might be the person who understands things i don't know oh that, that might be like where i'm getting it mixed up mr quinn the mysterious mr quinn was this guy that just would show up at the perfect time like you know right place right time and it was based on like the idea of harlequin being like a i don't know i don't know what you say a spirit like not a real person someone who just oh okay so so it was this idea that mr quinn kind of showed up at the perfect time and would help Mr. Satterthwaite to, Mr. Satterthwaite had all the knowledge, he just couldn't put it all together. And Mr. Quinn kind of would just say the right things and make Satterthwaite realize that he already knew like the solution kind of thing. Oh my God. So Satterthwaite is like haunted by Mr. Quinn. Yeah, basically. So this is not a Mr. Quinn story. He's not going to show up. That was like, they have their short story collection. (laughs) And this is, I, I guess, Christy liked I don't know if Mr. Satterthwaite showed up in any other like long full-length stories but this is one of them so just to say that he's a returning character everyone else I think is new except Hercule Poirot of course (laughs) okay so this this um this book was broken down into three acts and so act one is called Suspicion so it starts with Mr. Satterthwaite and he's at this place called Crow's Nest which is Sir Charles Cartwright's new house near Lumouth. Uh, Lumouth isn't important. Crow's Nest isn't Crow's Nest isn't too important either, but the name does come up later in the story. So um, Sir Charles is a retired actor. He had been like a um, been on the stage, like in plays, and he's kind of acting the part of a retired naval officer. And he's been doing that for like the last couple of years. So he built this whole house and had it like shipped themed. And he's not actually a retired naval officer. He just like is an actor through and through and kind of fits whatever part he needs to in life kind of thing wait what (laughs) he intentionally is living as a 
retired naval officer? I, he's not telling anyone he's a retired naval officer. He just gives, apparently, in um, right. 1930s England, everyone could tell who was a retired naval officer right, based right. on their, you know. He's actually like a, a method actor. Eddie's like yes. in a multi-year preparation for his next role. For a role that he won't play because he had um, he had, had like a mental breakdown a couple years ago and had retired oh. from the stage. See, sounds like he's he's still had. He's, yeah. You know, sounds like <laughs> he's not that. playing the part. I think he might actually just think he's a retired naval officer. It. We'll see throughout the book. He'll shift the part that he's acting based on like oh. what's going on in the story. So it's kind of like. It is. It feels like the crutch is like this is how he gets through life is like pretending constantly an actor, um, mm-hmm. pretending to be someone. Which I'm sure there are actors that are like that for better or for worse. I don't know. So Mr. Satisfied is he, he is a self-described snob uh, and very intelligent observer. So he really he gets himself invited to all of the best house parties. Everyone, uh, I think they say like the list because for some reason house parties got listed in the newspaper of like, oh, this house party happened last weekend. It's such, and then they list off all the people that were there. And Mr. Satterthwaite's name is always like bottom end of the list. Cap it all off. Why would you want to invite a self-described snob to your house party? People like Mm -hmm. him because he's such a good, like he's so good with human nature. He like knows the right way to Uh act around everyone type thing. It's like who to give compliments to and who to listen to and who to do this and that and that. So people. Oh, okay. People so like he's him. like a, I don't know, charming, a people pleaser. A little bit. He is... It's like me with social skills. <laughs> Satterthwaite's like maybe, I'm going to say he's like 60 and let's say Cartwright is like 40 to 50 age wise. Oh, okay. And then we have Sir Bartholomew Strange. He comes into the picture. He is um, an old friend of Sir Charles and he's a um, doctor. I think he's a nerve specialist. He's like well known on Harley Street. And in this, I don't know if it still is, but Harley Street is like known as like that's where all the medical people, the like super fancy medical people work. It's, it's full of doctors and dentists and whatnot is Harley Street. And they have a chat and they're kind of both of neither of them thought that Cartwright would last this long. They He bought this like house kind of out of the way. He's not in London. He's been living there for two years at Crow's Nest and no one, everyone kind of imagined that he'd go out there, like pretend to be a naval officer for a few months and then like move back to the city. And when he kind of, he comes in, he's been out sailing. They both kind of know why. There's a girl, there's a young woman. Um, She's 20, so a bit of an age difference. How old is Sir Charles Cartwright again? I'm, we don't get an age, but we do hear that he's like 20 to 30 years older than the girl. So mm. 40 to 50, something like that. Right. Give or take. Um, and the girl's name is Egg. Uh, she's, Egg. It's a nickname. Her name is actually mm. Miss Hermione Lytton Gore. And in case you're wondering, the name Egg, nickname Egg came about because she was a big, chubby, roly-poly little child. And they called her Egg because she looked like an egg rolling around. <laughs> oh, no. I feel like that's a name you try to nickname you try to shed like literally your whole life, and now you're in the, your twenties and people are still calling you egg because you're a chubby egg. baby. Feels bad. Yeah. Um. So all the the men are chatting, and then Miss Milray, who is Sir Charles' housekeeper, she comes in with the dinner menu, and she's a uber competent woman. She's very efficient. Um. And they call her exceedingly ugly, which is oh yeah. <laughs> I had to include that because it's just so mean. 
Uh, they do this sometimes. The men, the men call her exceedingly yeah. ugly, or she's described as exceedingly I think ugly. Both. I think, okay. I think okay. Christy can be really mean. Also, side note, and actually, no, we can get into it later. I was going to say she's like pretty racist. I feel like a lot of people are pretty racist in writing books. Or it's just do? a it's lot of slurs. 1900s. Yeah. I don't, I guess what I was going to say was I don't understand why they don't. Like, if people wrote with slurs back then, when they reprint the books in like the 1990s and stuff like that, why don't they like get rid of the slurs? I mean, do they do it now? I don't know. Even now. Like, why don't they get rid of the slurs now? I don't know. Maybe it, like, you don't get the venom in it. Like, maybe this was supposed to be, you know, the character is a racist, and if you take out the racist word, you don't oh, get like it. Oh, it's, purposeful. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure. I don't know either. That's a... Caitlin, you're gonna have tea drinking. Day. In all of your oh, audio. is it loud? Sorry. No, it's just all of us are drinking tea. Oh, that's <laughs> fine. I I can cut most of it out, especially if no, like... that's that's the atmosphere. Oh, okay. I guess you want it to be kept mm-hmm. in. Sure. It wouldn't be Tuesday Night Mystery Club if we aren't all drinking tea. I would like it noted that I'm drinking a Ryan Ginger. <laughs> oh. Oh. All right. After Act Two, I'll go grab a beer. <laughs> um, I could have been drinking tea. It's just too hot here, and I wanted. I don't have to explain myself to you. <laughs> I'm drinking rye. I'll drink all the rye yeah. that I want. <laughs> okay. So where were we? Right. So Miss Milner has come in. They've described her as exceedingly ugly. It's, I feel unnecessary, but anyway. So <laughs> she, she's also said that it's, she's going to have to be at dinner. Like she's, kind of be a guest and Sir Charles is like why do you need to be at dinner she's like oh well you have 13 dinner guests and that's an unlucky number and like I'm not superstitious but some of your guests will be so I have to sit at dinner so there's 14 so it's not unlucky hmm. anyways um so she's as she goes away and they're discussing that she's leaving soon like she won't be working for Sir Charles anymore and hmm. Dr. Strange Sir Bartholomew Strange he thinks it's because there has been a quote-unquote talk, and they don't describe what that means, but it's, you're kind of left with the impression that people in the village have been saying that Miss um, Milray and Sir Charles are like an item, or like they're mm. fooling around, hooking up. Right, and Sir Charles hates this because Miss Milray is exceedingly ugly. Yes, there, there is right. that noted. Um, but he also, I don't think he's clued into that yet. And he's, his, his opinion is, how could anyone possibly think that me and Miss Milray are together with that face? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's a great guy. Sounds great. Um, so then the guests start to arrive for the dinner parties. We have Angela Sutcliffe, um, the Dackers, Mr. and Mrs. Dackers. Anthony Astor, who is, she's a woman, Miss Wills. That's her, like, not stage name, but her writing name, her pen name. She's a playwright. We have the Babingtons. We have Lady Mary and Egg Littendor. Young Oliver Manders. And of course, Hercule Poirot has made his way into this dinner party. So that night, uh, Mr. Satterthwaite sits down in the sitting room or wherever they are, and he watches everyone. And he finds that Mrs. Dackers is very cleverly, she's very clever, one, and she's well made up. And this is partly because she has a... um, 
she owns a dress shop in London and she's like very on point with like what's going on with fashion. She's a very good businesswoman. So that's part of what's going on. But she's also maybe a little hard to swallow. Like maybe people don't like her because of her upfrontness. And we have Miss Wills. She's kind of like the complete opposite of, she gets described at some point as a inefficient nursery governess because like that's her that's how people describe her character she's the playwright so her plays are like extremely well written people love them everyone the, the two characters of like her as a playwright and her in real life are very different on um how she's perceived hmm. but she does have very sharp eyes so mr satterthwaite notes that she probably is very perceptive and also kind of watching human nature picking up on things so um, as Sir Charles is making cocktails, the Littengores and the Babingtons arrive. So the Littengores and the Babingtons are both from town. Um, they're, they're fam- the Babingtons are the reverend and his wife of the church in town. And then the Littengores are kind of like, they're, they, well, it's Lady Mary Littengore because she was, I don't know what, if you're a lord and lady, what do you count as? Not royalty. I have like, I have no idea. Like nobility. Nobility. Yeah. Okay. But like they're higher society technically than everyone else. But her husband died and left her no money, so she's also poor. But she's like still late. Where, where, <laughs> where did the money go? I, I we don't get into that part. What? Not important. It's just to say she's poor, but also part of the nobility. Okay. Um. So they arrive because they're from town, and. Uh, Mr. Satterthwaite is super attracted to titles, so he immediately wants to talk to Lady Mary, because again, he's a snob. Um, the parlourmaid comes in, and Sir Charles has been mixing drinks, so she takes the drinks around and brings them to everyone. And um, Mr. Babington takes a drink, even though he doesn't normally have cocktails, and as he starts to drink it, he gets partway through, starts to convulse, and within minutes, he's dead. Oh. Yeah, so that was fast. We're, we're at death one. So who who died? Bartholomew. Um, Mr. Babington or Reverend Babington. Oh, Mr. Babington. Yeah. Okay. So he's the he's the Reverend. We haven't found out too much about him because he just literally walked into the room, picked up a cocktail, and died. So most of the party, like this, all these people go to bed. I guess it's a house party, so people came from out of town. They stay over. I think that's typical. Is that you would do like it was a weekend thing. Uh, you'd come Saturday and stay till Sunday. Or something? I don't know. Maybe you come Friday and stay till Sunday. Maybe you don't work and so you just stay all week. I have no idea. But they sleep over. And Mr. Satterfleet gets he's about to go to bed as well, but he gets summoned into the quote-unquote ship room, which I guess is where the party had happened. It's like a room designed to look like a ship, because Sir Charles is faking a return. A naval officer. Yeah. <laughs> what? And so Sir Charles and Dr. Strange are in there, and Basically, Sir Charles has... Oh, excuse me. Uh, what? what? Uh, Sir Charles has told Doctor Strange that he doesn't he doesn't trust the the death being labeled as a seizure. So they had had the local doctor, Doctor McDougall, had come in and he had said that it was a seizure. That was the the method of death or the means. I don't know. Cause. Cause. Thank you. <laughs> Sir Sir Charles's mind is like just immediately jumping to murder, even like suicide, and uh, D- Doctor Strange and Sadly are kind of like pointing to like this is the actor in you, like you want the drama, you want all this, but like this wasn't 
how how would this have been a murder and why? Why would anyone want to kill Babington? And so they kind of agree that it could do no harm to have the glass, the cocktail glass analyzed to see if there was anything in it, because that's what he was drinking when he collapsed. And Poirot at this point also comes into the room. I think they kind of invite him in as well. And he agrees that, yeah, go and ha- go ahead and have the glass analyzed. But Poirot's like, you're, I don't think you're going to find anything. Um, like, he so wait, also doesn't think this is murder. I have a question. Yeah. So Charles was mixing drinks and then the maid handed them out. Right. And then Babington died. Right. So so Sir Charles was mixing drinks. They all got put onto a tray and then the parlor maid carried the tray around to everyone. But they don't think it's a murder. They're not like, Charles, you poisoned this man. I guess, I guess Charles is the one suggesting it's murder, but there, no one has any idea why, one, why he'd want to poison Babington. And then also they're kind of looking at it from the perspective of the, the drinks weren't labeled. So he, how would you, if a tray of drinks get handed out, how are you going to, how could any one person get poisoned? Okay. Right? Uh, maybe you randomly poison one just so that the party's back <laughs> down to 13 people. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Quite a dinner party. That's how you get rid of Miss Milray. You're like, oh, there's only 12 now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh, good questions. We will talk more about this later. But they kind of, they, they just agree to... If they can prove there's poison in the glass, then sure, they'll look into it as a murder. But otherwise, looking at it right now, it just doesn't... He was he was an old guy. He had health problems. It just makes sense that he was having health problems is where they leave it. But it's a good question to keep questioning if this was murder or not, because this is a murder mystery. <laughs> so I'm not going to stop you. I, I just defaulted to murder. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. It wasn't until you said Poirot didn't think it was a murder. I'm like, wait. Yeah, I'm like, what? Poirot, we're not on the same. We're not on the same page about this. What? Yeah, I'm not. Keep, keep being curious. Keep asking questions, and um, I maybe can't answer them, but we will get to them probably at some point. So later that week, it's after the inquest, and Egg is badgering Mr. Sadikwait about the death. So she also feels like something seems off about it. She doesn't feel like this was just just a, uh, a seizure, right? And she says that there was something that Dr. Strange had said to Oliver Manders after the inquest that had kind of made her feel this way. They never say what that thing was. I, I read through that chapter twice, but we... <laughs> that's all we get. Uh, so they had... Uh, then she kind of starts talking about her relationship with Oliver Manners. Apparently, so they had grown up together in town, in this small, this little town, Lumo. And they had used to be close, but now he's all like tied up in London with his uncle trying to get rich and kind of like being a communist. That's the summary of what she says. Not in those words, though. Right. <laughs> what? Is okay. Getting rich to get... and being a communist. And being a communist. Yeah, right? <laughs> Go hand in hand. She she also says that she can't be a communist because she like believes in Christianity, or vice versa. She believes in Christianity and so therefore can't be a communist. Right. (laughs) Sure. Take that. Yeah, I I remember that line in the Bible. (laughs) Thou shall not be a commie. (laughs) Yeah, that was a great verse. Really beautiful. (laughs) So. It turns out that both Egg and Sir Charles still think this death is murder, 
and they've been kind of discussing it um, a little bit. And so Egg invites Mr. Soderthwaite home for tea with her mother. She says, Mom likes you. And he come, he's flattered because, again, he loves titles. So he's more than happy to go talk more with Lady Mary. And it turns out, as he's kind of having a conversation with Lady Mary when Egg is out of the room, and it turns out she's happy that her daughter is interested in Sir Charles, a man who's, like, double her age, because something to do with um, men are less likely to cheat at that age because they've done all their cheating and like uh, fooling around right. in their younger years. Right. Right. And it's not at all a red flag that he's going for someone 20 years younger than him. <laughs> Eric, would you agree that you're, you're only likely to, to fool around in your younger years? Yeah. I, I probably have a good like decade or two of that left in me. So <laughs> I guess the point is also that Lady Mary is like from the Victorian era or class or whatever. Like she's old enough that I, you know what? We don't know anything about this. I'm not going to get into it. She, she's cool with her daughter liking Sir Charles. That's the summary. I like that you're, you're cutting your tangents short today. You're like, I'm going to have to cut this all out in post. Well, it's more like, I don't even know what I'm talking about. And so I don't even know where to begin. If you want to write in about what Victorians were like, feel free. <laughs> I, I agree though. This is suspicious. I'm gonna. I'm, I made a note about this. Okay. Um, Mary happy that Egg likes old Charles. Question mark. <laughs> yeah. Keep that. Keep that on the top of your mind. Okay. So that night, uh, they have like a little consultation with Sir Charles, Egg, Mister Satterthwaite, and then Egg asks to invite um, Oliver Manders, and. Egg and Oliver kind of, like, fight back and forth about whether this is a murder or not. And Egg keeps trying to, like, bring Charles, Sir Charles, into the conversation. But he's, like, having none of it. Like, he's, like, kind of sitting back and doing nothing and, like, acting all gloomy. And Saturday thinks this is because, clearly, like, it just feels like Sir Charles likes Egg and Egg likes Sir Charles. But, like, neither of them are willing to, like, do anything about it. They're just, like, both chasing each other. And Egg also, she has this, like feeling like thought that she has to keep like pretending she likes Sir um, Oliver Manders in front of Sir Charles to like make him jealous. Mm. So she's playing hard to get. Yeah. She's trying to, but like Sir Charles is like instead acting like, Oh, well, if you want Manders, like I'll step back and I won't do anything. So once they leave, Sir Charles announces to Satterthwaite that he is leaving for good. He's going to sell the house. He's going away to the Riviera. And he's like really sad about Egg. Because he's like clearly she needs like youth turns to youth. Like her and Oliver are more suited than me and her. And I can't possibly fathom being around her. I'm leaving tomorrow morning. And yeah, he's he got a good point. He is he is old. <laughs> I support his decision. <laughs> personally. Okay. Well he does. And when Egg finds out about it the next day. She's like super mad because, you know, she's been playing all these games, hoping to convince him to like, I don't know, ask her out, court her. I'm not sure how it works. And she like immediately asks Saturday, she's like, who's the other woman, woman? Like, who am I competing with? Is it that Angela Sutcliffe woman, woman? Which, by the way, I didn't get into all of those people. So Angela Sutcliffe is also an actor, actress. Okay. She also is in plays and she's still acting in plays. And she is a very, again, they're really laying it on thick with these actor types. Like, she's also a very dramatic person and, like, very beautiful. And so 
egg is like it's that Angela woman like what have their relations been and I do think that Angela and Sir Charles did have like a fling at one point in their lives but neither of them were like down for marriage so that didn't happen right she's too uh, age appropriate for him yeah yeah <laughs> of course and then Captain Dacker's or Mr. Dacker's he's People are, I think, a little shocked that he's married to Mrs. Dacker's because she's, like, so efficient and um, clever and with her, like, dressmaking business. And he's kind of just, like, a drunk guy that, like, bets on horses. What Is a he life. supposed to be a naval captain? Is he, like, a ship captain? I get the, <clears throat> excuse me, I get the impression that he must have fought in the war and is suffering from PTSD. And so these habits of his or side effects from mm. from that experience that kind of comes up like throughout the book not at the beginning they never say if he's naval or air or army but yeah okay. he would have he probably fought in world war one or maybe what was the war before that again something i know nothing about probably shouldn't talk about <laughs> okay got it okay so that is the end of act one so how are you guys feeling we just kind of got introduced to everybody. We've had, we've had a death. Yeah, it was, you know, it was an introduction. There were people. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll, should we keep going? Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So act two. So again, act one was called suspicion. Act two is called certainty. Suggestive, maybe? Yes. Okay. So in September, I'm going to say like three months have passed between the the house party at sir charles's place and now so mr satterthwaite is visiting the riviera because it's like the end of the house party season and so he's done touring around england and he sees a passage in the paper it's like a day or two old because they're in the set the riviera is in the south of france and the clipping basically says dr strange is dead he was murdered at a house party so he had been entertaining this house party. They had all been drinking port at the end of dinner, and suddenly he had collapsed. And so Saturday mm. is immediately like, "This shares some similarities with, yeah, with that other death you we know, saw." It's and probably his fault. Saturday's fault. No, Doctor Strange's fault because he was all like, "No, that oh. that dude couldn't have been murdered." And then whoever murdered, it was like, "Well, fuck you! I'm gonna murder you next." Yeah, you don't, you don't <laughs> believe I'm a murderer? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so as he like looks up from the paper, who should he see? Sir Charles, who is also, you know, supposed to be Oh my another goodness. year this whole time. Or maybe he was traveling, but you know, generally in this area. And they're both thinking the same thing that you know, this this is looking awfully familiar. So they need to read more. They go to find some more like recent papers, because this again was like a day or two old. And they find out that it's nicotine poison. It's been confirmed poisoning. It's confirmed a murder. So Doctor Strange definitely murdered. Damn. Wait, I have a question. Yeah. Did they ever check that glass from the first murder? Yes. It was poor. Oh, okay. They did check oh. the first glass. There was no poison was found in the glass. Oh. Oh, that's hmm. okay. Right. So, also, Sir Charles has received a letter from Egg. She had been kind of communicating with him these last few months. She had told she had told Satterthwaite she would of like, just like, keeping him up to date, but also at an arm's length. I don't know their 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 relationship is confusing. But she sent a letter basically pleading with Sir Charles that 
He's the only one who could possibly solve this mystery. He has to come home and help solve this murder. She needs him. Yada, yada, yada. Mr. Southfit immediately is like, yeah, this is put up, put on. But it does play right. into Sir Charles' vain personality. Mm-hmm. So, you know who else happens to be at the Riviera at this time? Poirot. <laughs> yeah, Hercule Poirot yeah. is also at the Riviera. So as Why you, wouldn't he be there? <laughs> as you might remember, he's supposed to be retired. Um, and so he's hanging out at the Riviera. And he's super bored. And Mr. Satterfake kind of like has a feeling that he might be kind of bored. And so he shows him that passage in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Basically as bait being like, ah, oh, you're bored. You want to come solve a mystery? And Mr. Satterfake feels like he's failed because he doesn't seem like Hercule Poirot is like taking the bait. But after Satterfake leaves, Hercule Poirot like immediately gets up to go to the travel agency to book his life ticket home. <laughs> so he's got him. Got him right where he wants him. When Satterthwaite and Sir Charles get back to England, they go to see a chief, con- uh, the chief constable in charge of the murder in the Doctor Strange's murder. And so apparently the key suspect right now is the butler because the, he, the butler had disappeared the next morning. They had interviewed all the servants the night before and then they had like kept constables and stuff on watch on the house and no one had seen the butler leave. But the next morning it was discovered that his bed wasn't slept in and he was nowhere in sight. So he's the main suspect. And there's also discovered to be, um, apparently there's a secret passage on the premises that left from like the library and went out into like somewhere on the grounds. And so they're suspecting that he may, he could have escaped that way. They confirmed that it was nicotine poisoning. And they also confirmed that the nicotine was found in his stomach. And so it couldn't have been like just nicotine poisoning from like excessive smoking or anything like that, or like an injection. It was in the stomach. And it must have been consumed a few minutes before death. That's how nic- apparently how nicotine poisoning works. It's like super fac- fast acting, whatever, whatever. Oh, the butler's name is John Ellis, Mr. Ellis. Um, they also had the port, the port glasses analyzed and nothing was, no nicotine was found in the port glass. Oh. There was left on the table and they had all eaten the same food and been served from the same like platter so they're very confused about like how this how the nicotine was introduced into a system i don't know if you're supposed to like know but like the port glasses would have been on the table like you would have had all of your glasses set up and like all your plates and cutlery like it's like a proper dinner party when i say proper i mean have you ever seen seen those videos of like what knives and what forks you're supposed to use for each meal no i just uh go unprepared all the time and get nervous Well, Eric, let me tell you, there are certain forks to use for each course of. I I use the big fork for the big, for the big things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, I don't know what the correct answer is. So great. Yeah. Good. Uh, I'm glad. Yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> so. The cons- uh, another police constable comes in and he shows them, Mr. Sadowin and Sir Charles, uh, Dr. Strange's diary. And the last entry had said, am worried about M. Don't like the look of things. Mysterious. Hmm. So the other thing that's a really big deal is this house party of Dr. Strange's had a lot of similar faces to Sir Charles's dinner party. 
So some of the same people that had been invited were the Lytton Gores, Mary, Lady Mary and Egg, the Lytton Gores, Angela Sutcliffe, uh, both Dockers, Captain Dockers and Mrs. Dockers, Miss Wills, and then um, Oliver Manders hadn't been invited, but his motorcycle had crashed into Doctor Strange's wall of his property, and so he had, like, showed up at the last minute. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's a little weird. So as they leave, Sir, Char- Sir Charles says that he think he kind of, he's like, I know, Doc, I know, he calls Doctor Strange Tolly, because they're, like, good friends. He's like, I know Tolly, and... I think he planned this party by design. Like he's the type of person who would stew on this kind of thing for months. Like I think he was setting something up. Whoa, whoa! Like so, sorry. Suicide. Satterthwaite saying that. No, no, Doctor Charles. Oh, Sir Charles. Who's Doctor Strange's like friend? He's saying Doctor Strange has set up a very dramatic death for himself. He doesn't think he set up the death. He thinks that he knew something from the original death of of Babington's death. And he set up this dinner party to, like, do something about it. Mm -hmm. So they kind of start to break it all down. Like, they look at all the suspect. And Sir Charles thinks that the Dackers are the most likely that couple. But it's kind of touched upon throughout the whole book of it's not necessarily that they're the most likely. It's just that they're the least liked by Sir Charles and Mr. Southwaite. And so it would be the best case scenario if it could be them because it would be easiest for Sir Charles and Mr. Sandwade and stuff to swallow. So they go on to Dr. Strange's house and they kind of start interviewing the staff. So they start with the cook. Her name is Mrs. Leckie. She's been there for 15 years. She's very like kind of knows everything about the household and about Dr. Strange. And she says that Ellis was, so Mr. Ellis, the butler who had run away, he was brought on temporary. The original butler had been on sick leave Doctor Strange had given his like original butler like three months of paid sick leave to go on vacation and hired this temporary butler. Whoa! Right. So she was like, he's never done that before, but he is a really nice guy. So and and his his butler has been with him forever. He was sick, so that's probably as good for him. And he's a doctor, so maybe he knows things. Yeah. They then speak to Beatrice, who was she's been there for thirteen years, so she's the next longest. Apparently that's like a big deal is um, seniority within the household staff. So she gets to talk to them next. And she says that Angela Sutcliffe was very upset during the death and that Mrs. Dackers was worried about her business after the murder. So servants don't like her either. She kind of gives off that same impression to everyone. Okay. Why would Miss Dackers be worried about her business? She's worried that people are going to think, like, because she was part of the house party of this, like, murder, that they won't want to come to her dress business. Okay, gotcha. Believe it or not. (laughs) Then she says that Mr. Dackers had, quote-unquote, steadied his nerves with whiskey. And then she's kind of like, or unsteadied them, if you know what I mean. Insinuating. Wow, it's like a... (laughs) It's like a typical boomer, like, I hate my wife joke, but in reverse. <laughs> um, the Lytton Gores had been clearly distressed, but had also been, like, ladylike. So she's, like, clearly they're part of the nobility. Like, you could tell because the way they act. Right. Miss Wills, she says, had poked in pride. She won't go any deeper into what that means, but she's like, no, 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 she poked in pride. So I think was just doing that kind of thing the whole time. I just want to put out my theory which is 
I have no idea. I'm completely lost. I have no leads. <laughs> uh, well, I've, I've had, like, kind of thoughts on the first one. The second murder. I wonder if the port glasses are supposed to be significant. Because they keep getting brought up. But I have no idea what a port glass is. I, I feel like it's just hinting at how the poison was delivered, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, like, suspicious that there's constantly these glasses that don't have poison, but it seems like these people are, you know, no, having I feel a like, drink. I feel like it's hinting that they weren't poisoned by drink or something. Like, ah. it's maybe a clue that, you know, they got, like, a special hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> How many hamburgers have been mentioned, Caitlin? Um, That's what nobility eats, right? They eat ham- hamburgers, but like a little nicer. Like I imagine they're a little rarer on the inside. What kind of they fork use do nicer you use cheese for the nobility hamburgers? The buns probably toasted a little nicer. That's how I. That's that's what nobility eats. I mean, they don't say so. I. Uh... Well, yeah. Well, because everyone knows it's hamburgers, right? There is a lot of that. Everyone knows this. I don't need to mention it. Do I know? No. Uh, any other thoughts before I keep going? No, I'm just. I just have no n- no idea right now. That's fair. Mm-hmm. We're still. We still got at least half the book to go. We're only on Act Two, of course. Right, and then the so this is Beatrice saying that Mr. Manders had arrived. His arriving slash like the accident was like very sudden. It was pretty weird. So he, you know, staff thought that too. And then Beatrice says that um, Doctor Strange had been pretty particularly cheerful before this this house party. Like he was clearly looking forward to it, so much so that he had joked with Mister Ellis about the, a phone message, maybe it did in the days leading up to the party. But she was like, he never joked with the servants. This was pretty weird. Whoa! Wait, sorry. Who was so excited? Um, Doctor Strange. Okay. So he had said something like. And Mr. Ellis had delivered the message saying that he had, he had received word from, oh, I, I don't know if this came up already, but so Dr. Strange is a nerve specialist. He has a quote unquote sanatorium on the property. Like that's on this large property out in the country, which is like okay. a mental hospital or mental institution or nursing home. Like it's kind of a combination. And so gotcha. if, you, if you had some kind of a, um, like I guess they'd like they'd call it like a mental breakdown or some kind of like nerve. I don't. Well, they called it nerves, but it was I think it was more mental than physical. Then you they would like prescribe you a rest cure at this san- quote unquote sanatorium. So he like this was part of his house. Like he lived with these no, patients. It just would have been on the same grounds. So it would have been this large like lots of acres of land, and then he would have had his house. This is his house in the country. Yeah, and then he had his like his work in his house or apartment in London. So Harley Street would be in London. That's where he'd do like all his like regular doctoring stuff. And they also owned this property in the country where he had his like mental hospital. Okay. And it's- he was joking with Ellis. Yeah. So Ellis. The, the temporary Ellis, butler. Yes. Ellis had brought up a message to say um, that he had he received word from the sanatorium that Mrs. De Rushberger, Rushbridger, Mrs. De Rushbridger had arrived and um, Doctor Strange had said to Alice something along the lines of like, "Haha, that's a pretty difficult name to get, like, to pronounce. Are you sure you got it right?" And uh, apparently, according to Beatrice, Mister Alice had like looked like totally shocked and 
basically been like, yes, sir. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I got it right in a little bit of a freaked out way. Whoa. Um, but this so, played so this, into his this like rush rush bridger. They're suspicious. Yeah, this is and Sir Charles kind of like not hints, but he kind of like points that out later to Satterthwaite about being like, I wonder if this Mr. Mrs. De Rushbridger, I wonder if that was like meant anything. <laughs> so next they interview Doris and she had waited at table on that night. So she had been around and she doesn't think that there was any opportunity for Mr. Ellis to have put anything to the food. Cause right now the police are suspecting that it's the butler, but she says, I like, I, I was with him all night. I don't know when he would have, like the basically the food was on a platter and then they just brought the she would like hold the platter beside every person or Ellis would right. and then they fork the food into the person's plate but it all came from the same platter. Okay. Se- seemingly not hamburgers, but again they don't say well, it's not. Maybe they were like really teeny sliders. <laughs> yeah, and they just like did a, a spoonful of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So next they go to search Ellis's room and it's disappointingly bare is kind of how they describe it. Like there's no personal touches at all. They also notice that he must have, he must have left in his butler's kit. So like the butler's uniform he was wearing because all his personal clothes are in the room and the butler's uniform isn't there. So then they go to check the sanatorium. They kind of want to like find out if there actually is a Mrs. DeRush Bridger staying there. They speak to the matron and she is, Mrs. DeRushbridger is a patient. So they kind of get that out of her. They try and get some more information by like pretending they know the woman. Um, But basically, yeah, she had arrived a few days ago. She was one of Dr. Strange's nerve patients. That's kind of all they get. Um, So then they go to see where Oliver Manders, his accident was with his motorbike. And it, it is, it's like, it's oh not, my gosh, I've completely forgotten about this. <laughs> it wasn't like on a curve. It was kind of like a straightaway. And so the fact that he had crashed, like where he'd crashed into the wall is pretty strange. Like it doesn't, it seems odd. Right. Then we find out. Sir Charles, there had been something that had struck Charles as odd, but he couldn't remember what it was. And then he, he, he kind of like comes to him later. And so they turn around and go back to the house. There had been an ink stain on the floor in Mr. Ellis's room. But it had been like super close to the baseboards and not near the desk. So it had been, it had just been been in a place where it was like weird to get this ink stain. And so he kind of like, again, this is like one of those parts where he like turns into an actor and he like acts out like someone scribbling on the desk like furiously and then hearing footsteps at the door and like rushing over to the fireplace and dropping the pen which um, Mr. Sattenthwaite's super impressed because he's like, yes, and that's, that is how a pen stain could get there, and shoving papers into the gas fire grate. And sure enough, they go and like find like a knitting needle and pull out. There are papers stuck oh. under the gas fire. <laughs> so what do those papers say? Oh my God. So he's writing something so secretive that just like people nearby is like, oh, I got to burn this shit immediately so because of the gas fire he wouldn't be able to burn it but he could hide it within the like components of the gas fire oh okay yeah gotcha so they pull out the papers and it's just a series of different versions of someone trying to write a blackmail letter basically it says something to the effect of i saw what you did i'll keep quiet for a price basically right 
I love that. It's like someone try. It's like someone doing multiple takes of a, of a voicemail. Yeah. Of you writing. <laughs> yeah, but just writing it out again and again and again. So Sir Charles wants to hold on to this information. He doesn't like. He wants to like keep it for themselves as they investigate. But Mister Satterthwaite is like, no, we got to tell the police. So they do the mm-hmm. right thing and they hand over the papers to the police. Okay, how are y'all feeling at this point? All right. Well. uh obviously the butler is very suspicious mm-hmm. and that's that's about it i mean we don't know much about mrs de rush bridger mm-hmm. um, she has a weird name though yes. right yes oliver manders you know crashed into a wall in a weird way not sure what that's about can't really link that to the rest of everything yet mm-hmm. and then who else has really been mentioned uh, the butler a lot, but apparently Doris was with the butler, and she thinks that he wouldn't have had opportunity to poison the yeah. meal. Wait, who else was mentioned? Um, Angela Sutcliffe? Sutcliffe? Sutcliffe, yeah. Okay, um, she acted, uh, <laughs> acted normally. <laughs> um... She was there. She existed at the party. Yep. Yeah, it's like everyone was there. I don't know. I, I have no. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I have no big theories right now. There is kind of this opinion, like this, this thing going on where Satterthwaite and Sir Charles both think that these two deaths are connected. So now they're more sure than ever that Babington's death was a murder, and then somehow right. they're connected because there's so okay, many wait. similar people at each party. But where is Poirot in all of this? What's he up to? Oh, is Buck yeah. to take it home? Is he just going to come in at the third act and be like, you fucking idiots. Exactly. Can't you see the murderer was here all along? That's exactly what's going to happen. I can't remember where he comes in. He's coming. He does kind of wait to like the end. Not the end. He comes. He has. We'll see. We're getting there. <laughs> so we're almost to the end of act two. They, Satterthwaite and Sir Charles head back to London and they get in touch with Egg to tell her kind of all about it, like keep her informed because she was super interested to begin with. And she immediately jumps to the conclusion. She's like, oh, well, Ellis is clearly dead. Like he tried to blackmail someone and they got rid of him. And Satterthwaite, he kind of feels a little stupid because he's like, yeah, that's exactly what I was. I was feeling that in my gut, but I just didn't like think it like the Like I didn't formulate that like yeah okay okay, i'm sure you were thinking that. (laughs) and she's saying that maybe the body is in the secret passageway or maybe that's how like the person killed them and then got rid of the body elsewhere right Uh, okay right uh and then they decide that they need to tackle the, the only way to go about solving this mystery they think is to tackle babington's death and once they understand that, they'll be able to understand who killed Doctor Strange. And so that's kind of their opinion. Um, does that make you guys think in any specific way? This is now we're at the end of Act Two here. Still a mystery. All right. Yeah, the only still, theory still I have is no. Scratch the whole theory. <laughs> I was going to say that <laughs> Mr. Ellis was somehow black- blackmailing Mr. Babington, and I'm like, wait. Why would you blackmail a dead guy? That's not very efficient. So, scratch that. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little inefficient. All I, I can think of is, uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, we really need motive because this 
Babington, the reverend who died, is well-liked, so we don't know why anyone would want to kill him. And same with, like, Strange. Like, it doesn't seem like anyone mm -hmm. hates this dude. So it's like, right. why would you want to kill this dude? Right, okay. So th these are good questions. And this is also, now they're going to start investigating Babington's death as if it is a murder. So kind of what you guys were coming back to before of, like, now we'll start talking about, like, how could the poison have been introduced? Um, why would you want to kill Babington? All of those kinds of questions. So Sir Charles and Egg go to see Mrs. Babington. And I think... Once they find those blackmail letters, what is it? Something, something convinces, something convinces the police. Oh, oh, once they think it's, once they think it's not Mr. Ellis, if Mr. Ellis wasn't, like, was blackmailing someone, once the police think that, they're like, oh, if it's someone at the house party, maybe they did kill Babington. And so then they're connecting the two, the police are not connecting the two deaths. They're going to exhume Babington's body and find out if he was poisoned or not. So they go to speak to Mrs. Babington because she's heard, she knows that her husband's body is being exhumed. And she's pretty surprised by it all because she's she's of the opinion of like, who could possibly want to kill my husband? Like she has no, absolutely no idea. So they start asking her questions about this. And she's shocked because he had no money. He was like super poor because he gave all his money to charity all the time. So no one's going to benefit from his death in like financially. And she's saying he had no enemies. Like, we've been married for 20-something years. Like, we've basically done everything together. Like, I've been around all the time. There's there's nothing, like, I can't think of anything that could possibly be some kind of enemy. Um, and she's also quite sure that Stephen or her husband, Mr. Babington, have never met anyone from the house party before. Because that's their other theory. They're, they're like, could it be money? Could it be, like, enemies? Could it be that Babington saw something he wasn't supposed to see. So kind of the idea Ooh. of, like, what if one of those people had an alibi for a crime, and but Babington had actually seen them in a different place when they had that alibi somewhere else? That This is one of like the examples they give. Then right. Babington might not know that he knows information that he shouldn't know, basically. So, <laughs> but again, Mrs. Babington's like, I just, I don't, Basically, I don't believe it. I don't believe that he like he spent enough time away from me that he would see something that I wouldn't see. Um, she does say, though, that they had lived in Gilling before they had this placement. So they've maybe been living in this town, Lumos, for like 15 years. But before that, they had been in a place called Gilling. So they, they note that to kind of ask around. Because maybe it was like his past life or something had happened. So while that's all going down, Mr. Satterthwaite visits um, Lady Mary Littendorf. Because, again, he likes the title. <laughs> and he he kind of allows for talk to slowly drift to Oliver Manders. And Lady Mary says that she feels sorry for him. Because he, basically, his father had been a married man when his mother had, con that he had been conceived. So he was, like, born, one, out of wedlock, and two, the guy had been, his father had been married to someone else. Right. And that's why he so he's a drove his motorcycle into that wall in a weird way. Definitely. Obviously. It all adds up now. <laughs> now we're getting somewhere. This is all to say that they're kind of like, it's, it's not good for a child to be raised in a, with like, he probably was made fun of. And he was raised by like an uncle and his grandparents. Cause I think his mother had also died. And clearly the married man was like out of the picture. Cause 
doesn't look good. Um, so he kind of turned out pretty conceited, and he also like put on a lot of his personality to try and like act bigger than he he really was. Is how she feels. She also says that Oliver had been pretty rude to Mr. Babington once, where he like really attacked Mr. Babington's Christianity and like saying how terrible, like basically saying we need to demolish churches everywhere and get rid of all, not all Christians, but like get rid of all the like people in charge. And so basically saying we need to get rid of you, Babington. Wow. And Mr. Babington had somehow taken this like really well and had just because he's like, well, like, peace be with you. I don't know. Um, so Lady Mary also just finds Oliver, like, cold. And so for those reasons, she's like, yeah, I don't want my daughter marrying him. Oliver Manders. Wait, marrying she's Mander? Like, yeah, Oliver Manders is, like, the same age as my daughter. But, like, he doesn't seem like a great guy. That's so... all he's got going for him. Yeah. So wait, she hates Babington and goes, and that's why I don't want. No, no, Oliver <laughs> Manders had been really rude to Mr. Babington. Oh, Manders yeah. was rude to yeah. Babington. Yeah, he was the one that said all those things. And, like, is a communist. And again, as you all know, you can't be a communist and a Christian at the same time. Yeah, uh-huh. Everyone knows this. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows that. So, Lady Mary also, because Lady Mary had been at Doctor Strange's party, she says that Doctor Strange had been in very good spirits. He had been, like, very, you know, happy and that he had told her that he was going to spring a surprise on the house party later that night. So again, we don't know what that is because he died. Right. But that's what he had told Lady Mary. What you thinking, Eric? I can see her wheels turning. All, okay. Well, the not plausible one, but the one I first thought of was he was really excited to stage a really elaborate suicide. Mm, okay. You know, he's like, this is going to mess with them for ages. But I'm also wondering if, like, what was he excited about? Could he, you know, did he, was he about to spoil Mr. Ellis's blackmail somehow? You know, like he oh. had some like incredible gossip. He was so excited to share it with everyone. And Mr. Ellis like, what? You guys share it for free? Are you kidding me? I'm like trying to gouge people for money here. What are you <laughs> doing? But now this makes sense as to why, I guess, I mean, if Mr. Ellis was killed. Yeah. If Mr. Ellis killed Strange to preserve his ability to blackmail someone that's all i can think of right now okay percy do you have any other feelings or not anything new right now um i'm kind of like thinking uh based off of what eric said maybe if ellis did kill strange that's why he's on the run like he kills l he kills strange and then immediately needs to go find i don't know the person he plans to blackmail Okay. Yeah, the my problem with this theory is it just seems like too obvious to be the solution. Mm. Like, I think I've like brought this up before, but it's like, come on, everyone would suspect the butler, <laughs> right? Like, there's no way it's the butler. Mm-hmm. That's the cliche. Weird... The butler did it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Except like even when the butler did it or the maid did it, like you never really focus on the butler or the maid that much. You know, they're like mentioned offhand. But I feel like so much energy has gone into like Mr. Ellis. There's no way he did it. So I'm okay. Just yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Okay. Yeah. So later that day, the group is discussing motive. So this is I want to say the group. I mean, Egg, Sir Charles, and Mr. Satterthwaite, and they really they they've narrowed it down to like the fear being the motive. So 
Babington must have known something about someone that he shouldn't have known. And so he was gotten rid of for that reason. And so they're discussing this, and all of a sudden, Hercule Poirot shows up. Baby. God damn it. <laughs> so... And he's got the butler in handcuffs. <laughs> no, he's he's got really nothing to add. He kind of just says, like, you know, he's heard about everything going on and he wants to help. Like, he wants to kind of offer his assistance. And so they catch Poirot up on, like, all the happenings. And he starts to kind of think. And he has, like, a couple of questions and stuff like that. So he, he first off, he really thinks that deaths should have been the other way around. Like, to him, if Doctor Strange had been murdered first and then Babington. So it's kind of the idea of, like... Yeah, that's what I brought up. Yeah, I was like, I thought he, because I thought he was he he was blackmailing Doctor Strange, and right. I realized why would you blackmail someone who's dead? Yeah, so if Doctor Strange had died first, then maybe Babington saw something he shouldn't have seen, and so the murderer then would have had to kill Babington. But it isn't; it's yeah. the other way around, and so it doesn't make sense in that capacity. That's part of this kind of like first point, and then, and then he's wondering if the first night the cocktail could have been intended for Doctor Strange and it killed the wrong person. It killed mm. Babington instead. Um, oh. And Sir Charles says that anyone who knew Doctor Strange wouldn't have tried to kill him that way because he never drank cocktails. He had a weakness for port and so that's why that night like, he was drinking port, but he never drank cocktails. But there was no poison in the cocktail. In that, Yeah, in that glass. Yeah, okay. So Okay, I, I'm beginning to think, alright, this is my current thought. Okay. Miss Milray fucked it all up by taking a seat at the table and bumped everyone's seating order off by one. And because of this, like maybe Babington was sitting where Strange was supposed to sit. So this wasn't, they weren't at a table yet. They were like just mingling before dinner. Oh, okay. So that that's why like she was carrying the tray around to different groups of people. And so it wasn't a, an order of she would give the drink to this, right, the parlor right. but give a drink to this person and this person, this person. It was more grab it off the tray as I come by. <laughs> so, he, but Poirot is also curious about this drink thing. And so this kind of gets down to, we've already talked about this a couple of times, but Poirot asks to see the parlor maid and to ask her about the cocktails. And so um, I think they, they boiled it down to Sir Charles had handed one of the cocktails to, I think, Angela Sutcliffe or Egg. He'd given one cocktail to one of them. Mr. Satterthwaite had gotten a cocktail for Miss Wills. And then the, I think the rest of the cocktails, the parlor maid had handed around. She had like first handed them to the Dackers and then um, maybe Egg or Angela Sutcliffe, whoever didn't have one. And then she'd brought them over to Lady Mary, Hercule Poirot, and Mr. Babington. So they had been near the end. Poirot asks... Did Babington ever put his drink down? And Satterthwaite says, yes, he did put it down, but he's pretty sure no one came near it while it was on the table. Hmm. So that's where we are. That's that's now kind of the information we have about what was going on that night with the, with the cocktail tray and the cocktails. Right. Um, Poirot also asks, he's wondering for Dr. Strange's murder, what the port glasses looked like. And um, Sir Charles is like, well, I actually have, like, I, mine are pretty similar. So he shows Poirot, like, what the glass would have looked like, or for whatever reason. But So it's pretty similar. And it's, like, a pretty heavy, like, thick set glass, port glass. I'm demonstrating holding a glass to Eric. Yeah, Kate, Caitlin's <laughs> holding a glass, but, it, like, it looks like a pretty large glass. It, pretty, 
I'm I'm saying this as if I know. I don't think they give enough description in the book for you really to know what they're talking about. It's kind of just the assumption that you the, know what a court The mental image like. has been painted. Yeah. Here, I'll hold an actual glass. This is how I would drink port. Uh, for the listeners at home, she's drinking. <laughs> Holding the cup from the bottom. Yeah. I feel like that's how you drink port, right? Uh, look, I, I, I don't know what order to use the forks, Caitlin. You, you can't spring this on me. This is a okay. Tuesday night etiquette club. <laughs> the spin-off. Mm-hmm. Man, I can't I wish, wait. I wish I had the time. I need an editor. So, later that night, Parra was talking to with, with just Satterthwaite, and he recognizes that Sir Charles needs to play the star part in this mystery. So he's like, listen... I'm not going to like interfere with what you guys are doing. I'll just like offer counsel. You can come back to me and we can talk about it and I can like think for you. <laughs> but I don't, basically it's like, I don't do work. I only think. But he's also like just happy for Sir Charles to like go ahead and make all the plans and arrangements. So then Sir Charles comes back into the room and they split up who is going to investigate who. So they have the Dackers, the two Dackers, Miss Wales, Angela Sutcliffe, Oliver... Manders? Marston? What's his name again? Manders. Am I forgetting anyone? Uh, no. Angela Sutcliffe? Did I say her? Yeah, you did. Okay, so those people. So you split up who's going to interview who. And then I think he might leave again. And Poirot hints to Satterthwaite that while he's interviewing Oliver Manders, he should ask him why he faked the accident. And like tell Manders that the police. Oh wait, sorry. Who who suggested that? Poirot suggests to Saturday. Ah, gotcha. You should when you're interviewing Manders, you should ask him why he faked the motorcycle accident. So Saturday right. is like, okay, 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 I will. So the next day starts the interview process. So Egg Egg starts her mission by going to Mrs. Dacker's dress shop, and she pretends to have lots of money and to like be like super interested in buying lots of dresses so she can ask Mrs. Dacker's like what's going on. And she tries to tell her that Mr. Babington had known her in Gilling, but she kind of gets no reaction. Like, Mrs. Dacris is like, Gilling? Who's Babington again? Like, that kind of thing. Also, Egg has no money, so she's not buying any dresses. Okay. Wait, isn't Egg the daughter of Lady Mary, though? Yeah, she's nobility, but she's poor. I didn't even know poor nobility was a thing. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I went into this for like five minutes at the beginning of this episode, Eric. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we'll cut it out. We'll just cut all that. If you're listening to this, Caitlin should have cut this out. So, like, what I'm thinking is that she has the title, but no money. Yes. Yeah. So, so Egg makes a comment of like she has 15 pounds to last her from now until Christmas, <laughs> which is, I guess, really not a lot in 1934. I don't know. Not a lot now, that's for sure. Um, the next thing that Egg does is she kind of like waits around after leaving the dress shop for one of the mannequins to go out for lunch. So I guess in this time period and like fancy dress shops, the mannequins were like real life people that would show off the dresses in the window. What? Yeah, I've read this and like this has come up in one of Agatha Christie's books before and I've never Googled it, but... Again, if you know anything about this, email the show, TuesdayNightMysteryClub at gmail.com. That must be the most boring job. <laughs> just just stand there and look nice for hours. Yep. They get lunch breaks, apparently. So, 
So Egg offers to take this girl out for lunch and she basically wants to like pump her for information. And so uh, the girl says that she thinks that Mrs. Dacker's is hard up for money and that she had been seeing this like young rich guy and like hoping basically, you know, she's still married to Captain Dacker's, but like also like, you know, you got to do what you got to do for money. But this young rich guy had been ordered on a sea voyage for his health by none other than Dr. Strange. And so Egg is like, okay, perfect. Money struggles and Dr. Strange cuts off the cash cow. Right. Just what we were looking for. So then the, the mannequin has to go back to work. And next Egg heads to the Dacker's apartment and she again waits around until Captain Dacker's gets home from whatever he was doing that day. And she goes and knocks on the door and she gets him to invite her out to his club um, where he's already drunk, but he orders them like both drinks and gets even more drunk. And he's also kind of, I've described him as like a cad where he's kind of like just recognizes that this is a young, pretty girl. And so like, yeah, he'll take her out to the club. So he, again, clearly drunk. He also, so he's like speaking pretty freely. He thinks that all doctors are power hungry and that they just shut you up and they won't let you leave. And it's like all like you technically like said you want to be there when you're having like the terrors, but you don't want to be there. And now they won't give you, they won't give you the things you need and you feel so terrible. And he like goes off on this tangent of like, you don't fully know what he's talking about, but you're inferencing that this is maybe a um, substance abuse program is my opinion, or like some kind of mental. So um, Dacker's is yeah. Big suspect right now. Right. So he's, yeah, this is a little weird too. And then he says something along the lines of that Dr. Strange and his wife, Mrs. Dockers, had been suggesting something to him. But we, again, don't know exactly what was being suggested to him by those two. So he also says that on that day, the day of the murder, he had seen Mrs. Miss Wills coming out of his room. And so this plays into what the maid was saying earlier, Beatrice, that... Miss Wills poked and pried. But now this is kind of, we're getting some more information about what that poking and prying might have looked like. So she was in, in Dacker's room. Um, so as Egg leaves him, as he's in this like drunken stupor and goes outside, she sees a newspaper heading at a newspaper stand that the results of the exhumation. exhumation I was just going to ask. Uh-huh. So she, as she's like buying a paper, she bumps into, bumps into Miss Milray, the Sir Charles's housekeeper. And mm-hmm. um, the the results are Baddington was poisoned and it was nicotine poisoning. Ooh. So Miss Milray says she's like like really shocked by all this. And she says that she had known Baddington all her life because her mom is from Gilling. She lives in Gilling. And she's kind of like saying like she doesn't know what to do. And um, Egg is like, this is weird. And because like she just finds her behavior a little off so that was the dockers that egg tackled next sir charles goes to visit miss wills and she's again described just kind of like wearing limp wrinkled clothing um she's been writing for her new play that she's putting on soon so again it's Mm -hmm. like her play is like highly renowned and like very witty and like well written but Miss Wills, in actuality, like can't keep up a conversation. It's like super awkward um, and kind of uncomfortable for people to be around because they just like don't know how to interact with her. Right. 
So about the death, she says, a writer's got to take everything as copy. And so this is, again, this is her perspective of what the poking and prying means. It's like she just was trying to get into everyone's business to, like, see what a real murder looks like from her perspective. <laughs> um, she says she's very good at noticing things. So she does say she had forgotten to tell the police, but the butler had a birthmark on his wrist, a pink, like, strawberry birthmark. Uh, and... And Sir Charles, like, is, like, you have you, you have to, like, write to the police and tell them that, like, you know, this is important. Like, they need to know for when they're looking for Mr. Ellis. And so she she shows him where, like, on his wrist where it would have been. And then as he's leaving, he kind of looks back and, like, sees she almost has, like, a smirk on her face. And he just feels like she knows something that she's not telling anyone. She knows more than she's saying. But what? We don't know. Meanwhile... Mr. Satterthwaite goes to visit Oliver Manders, and he says what Faraz told him to say, that the police suspect him. So Oliver, he, it's like he, like, he's like, okay, I'll tell you. And he says that he had gotten a letter from Dr. Strange telling him to crash his motorcycle into the wall on the night of. Whoa. And that he, Dr. Strange had said, I'll give you an explanation later in the night but he had never been able to speak to him alone before he had died. So he has no idea this letter that he had gotten, like what oh Dr. Strange had thought. That's a lot of trust in a letter. Someone writes you a letter, hey, crash your uh, motorcycle yeah. into the wall of my house at this time. Yeah. I don't know. I'd, would you guys do that? <laughs> no. Definitely not like I'm going to crash my car unless, into your house. Not unless they're like, hey, you're going to get a, you're going to get a new motorcycle. You're going to get, and something else, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Put your life I would it. be really pissed, though, if I did that and they just died. Like, yeah, what the fuck? Ruined my motorcycle for no good reason? <laughs> That's a really good point. Um, the real <laughs> victim in this story is Manders. poor Manders's... No, it's Manders' motorcycle. <laughs> good point. We never find out what happens to it. <laughs> So before Satterthwaite, like, leaves, he kind of feels like there's something else, maybe, that Manders is, like, holding back. And so he, like, makes the point of being, like, you really should tell me everything. Like, the police are going to find out eventually. And so Manders says that there was one more thing. He had opened his wallet at the party and a newspaper clipping about nicotine poisoning had fallen out of his wallet. And Miss Wills had picked it up and handed it back to him. So she, he's like, she knows. And she's like, she's going to say something eventually. But like, I swear, I didn't put that newspaper clipping there. Like, it was planted. What? Right. Okay, wait, wait, wait. We're so really he getting crashes down to his, it now. Like, he crashes face. his motorcycle. Yeah. Like, oh, oh no, I crashed my motorcycle. Well, I guess I'll just show up at this party now. Right. Shows up at the party. Opens his wallet newspaper clipping about nicotine poisoning falls out right and then and then wills hands him the clipping back right this you know the woman that is very good at noticing things right right first any thoughts so much has happened in this last act (laughs) yeah this one's packed full of information i i don't know at this point are we like close to the end does poro already know no, I don't think Paro knows. We still definitely have a lot of information. Like, well, we're through three quarters of it for sure. Maybe a little bit more. So we are kind of nearing the end, but there is still more information to go. 
Okay. 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 Yeah. So I'm still I've still got more to tell you. Should we keep going? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Poirot and they kind of I have a discussion about like where they are and they all catch each other up with like what information they've discovered and they don't really feel necessarily further along. And Poirot says that he's gonna hold a sherry party for all the original house guests, like all the suspects. And so everyone arrives and they're all it's in a he's holding it in like a hotel room or something. And they all give a cheers, like Poirot like starts like a toast. And it's like super forced and everyone's like being like, cheers, cheer, good help. And cheers, you're a good help. And like that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of like one of like Poirot's like giving a speech or something, Sir Charles collapses. What? He convulses and falls to the floor. He's, I bet he's acting. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't have to wait too long because, uh, yes, Poirot has tricked everyone into thinking that Sir Charles has died. He gets back up. Uh, he has a good laugh. Everyone else is pretty upset about it. <laughs> oh my god, okay. Uh, but Poirot kind of explains to everyone that he was just trying to prove that it would be easy to um, introduce nicotine into the glasses. And so he's basically saying, before you all arrived, I put a teaspoon of table water, table, table water, no, a teaspoon of tap water? Thank you. Oh god, jeez. Of tap water into one of these glasses. Because as you can see, they're the same kind of like thick set glasses as would have been uh-huh. used at Dr. Strange's house. And you only need a very small amount of nicotine poisoning, nicotine poison to kill someone. And so you wouldn't even notice it in the glass beforehand. And so when the sherry is poured out, it's already in the glass, which would have been the same thing oh. at Dr. Strange's house. And then he's saying, it also would have been easy. I also wanted to prove to myself that it would be easy to switch out the two glasses because they're like, okay, if the nicotine was in the glass, we'd have the one analyzed that Sir Charles has fallen with. And he said, if you did that, you'd find no nicotine because in all the hullabaloo, I switched out the two glasses and the one with nicotine is in my pocket or something. Mm. And so he's saying, this, I've proved that it's possible. This could be what happened on the night of the death. On the night of the murder. Okay, okay. Right. Yes, this good information to have, right? So then Poirot tells everyone that they should not hide anything. He's making a plea that if you know anything, you should not keep it to yourself because there's already been two murders and there definitely could be a third. And this is definitely a something that comes up in Agatha Christie's a lot where they say someone who, someone who isn't afraid to murder once it's definitely more than likely to murder again. Like once you've killed one person, it's easier to kill again. So after the guests leave, Poirot gets a telegram delivered to his hotel room. And so the gang all reads it. And I'm just going to get the page from the book and read it to you guys. So the telegram reads, please come and see me at once. Stop. Can give you valuable information as to Bartholomew Strange's death. Margaret de Rushbridger. Oh, and so Sir Charles jumps on this immediately and he's like, this is like, oh my gosh, we're mo- moving forward with the case. And then he says, Margaret M, like the initial from Dr. Strange's diary, I think we're getting somewhere. Do you have anything you want to say or should I keep going? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I don't think we know anything about the Rush Bridger, so. Okay, so we got to meet her. Oh, wait, we do. Which was that Mr. Ellis got real spooked when her name was mentioned. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That her name is, like, funny or something that it's easy to mispronounce. Right. Right. 
So it is decided the next day that the gang will split up because um, they also wanted to interview Miss Milray's mother. Because you'll remember Miss Milray lived in Gilling, where Babington had been from. And so they decide that Egg and Sir Charles will go interview Miss Milray, Mrs. Milray, the mother. And Saddenclay and Poirot will go to Yorkshire, Yorkshire to the sanatorium to try and, like, talk to Mrs. Dur- Rushbridger and find out, like, what's going on with her. So they head out um, to Gilling and they interview Mrs. Milray, but they kind of, it's kind of a dead end. Like, everything they ask her about Babington, she's like, no, he was perfectly lovely, like, he had nice kids, his wife was nice, like, no, he wasn't neat, like, he, he had no enemies, I don't think anyone in the town didn't like him, no, I don't. They show her pictures of the house guests, and she doesn't recognize any of them. So it really feels like a dead end. So they go out to lunch, and they start, uh, um, Sir Charles, they start talking about, like, the weird names. Like, Mrs. de Rushbridger is a weird name, and they're talking about other names that you wouldn't want to have. And uh, Sir Charles admits that Cartwright is actually his stage name, because his dad's name was Mug, and that was a pretty terrible name for an actor. Um, so he had basically changed it and then he asks uh, egg if she'll call him she'll drop the sir and just start calling him charles so that's kind of feels like maybe they're getting on a little bit in their relationship Ooh. he says while still calling her egg because she was a chubby baby <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and egg kind of like t- talk lets him know about like so when she bumped into miss milray at the newspaper stand she thinks it's she thinks that Miss Melray was more worried than she needed to be. And so she's a little bit kind of thinking, wondering about why Miss Melray was so worried. Meanwhile, we're really, we're getting the, the, the like the last two chapters here. Just, you know. Okay. Meanwhile, Satterfleet and Poirot, they get to the sanatorium. They ask the matron to see Mrs. De Rush, Rushbridger. And she's like, oh, you can't see her. She's dead. She died Whoa. this morning. She had been sent a box of chocolates in the mail, and the top oh, level was my. poisoned with nicotine poisoning. This person's really, really lazy. They kind of like they they found one way to poison people. They're like, yeah, that's my go-to. <laughs> this nicotine. is what I do now. And so they kind of look into more in this. They get like the police clearly are involved, and it seems that they trace the the chocolates had been mailed out from. Wait, what happened? Oh no, they were like, how they don't know anything about the chocolates. But how did the telegram get sent to Poirot? So apparently a young little boy had dropped it off at the post office in town and he had gotten it from an old, like a, a, a man in shabby clothes who seemed to be like a drifter had given it to him and said that a woman from the sanatorium had given it to him with two shillings to bring to the post office, the telegram. So it's a whole convoluted mm. story about what could have happened with this telegram. But the man in shabby clothes, they never find him. It's only the um, the little boy that can kind of, like, vouch for what happened. So that evening, they have another kind of, like, group conference with Poirot and Saturday and Sir Charles and Egg. And Sir Charles says that he had gone, once they got back, he had gone to question Miss Wills more. Because he really, he really felt like she knew something that she wasn't saying. And he says that she's gone. Like the household had miss wills had gone out that morning and she'd never returned home she had sent a telegram to her household being like hey i won't be coming back for a few days which her household finds strange because she didn't pack a bag she didn't bring any clothes with her so poirot says to this that he had warned everyone that it was dangerous to stay silent 
So there's one last piece of information, but I'm going to ask you guys for your thoughts. Oh, oh and no. And then I'll give you that one more thing. We'll see if it changes anything. Okay. On how, how you're feeling about this. Story. I'm pretty worried because I feel like usually I have a better clue by now. Like I have a more concrete idea. <laughs> right. Of what the fuck's <laughs> going on. Okay. So someone has poisoned Rush Bridger and Babington and Strange. And how are they associated? Okay, Babington, we still really have no motive. Doctor Strange was gonna, he was excited when he was murdered. He thought something cool was gonna happen. And he also had asked Manders to crash his motorcycle into the, into his wall. R.I.P. Manders' motorcycle. <laughs> and then Mr. Ellis got spooked by Rush Bridger's name. It should be noted that the police have found they've gotten a lot of tips about Mr. Ellis's description, but they have not found Mr. Ellis anywhere. And okay, um, Poirot's pretty—he says he doesn't think Mr. Ellis will be will be found alive. That's what he says. Okay. There's a lot of deaths. Okay, and then Wills has disappeared, but she's just a she's just a, a poker, right? She's just. He's an observant. Or sorry, lady. he. Yes. Wait, she. Yes. Wait. What? You're right. Miss Wills, the woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought. Okay. So she's very observant. She also saw that Manders might have been set up. Okay, let's think about this. Mm-hmm. Or she maybe, I don't know, thinks Manders did it? Maybe. Yeah, that's pos- that's a good point. Okay, so maybe Strange had set up Manders. That's possible. Maybe. No, but then how the, who what? who's killing Strange? Well, I'm thinking maybe Strange tells Manders to like crash his his motorcycle so that he can pl- plant this nicotine thing on him. Nicotine headline. All Which, right, I'm... Yeah, I guess he did. Did he kill himself with nicotine at that point then? To yeah, it still, doesn't ex- it still doesn't explain his death. Mm-hmm. Well, we also got to talk about... So Poro has this like big theatrical um, event where he proves that you can switch the glasses yeah. really easily in mm-hmm. sort of like the confusion. But it seems like how would you target Babington? So... Right, even there if he gets is... the glasses. So, I mean, are you saying that like an option? All of the glasses gets handed out, and then afterwards they switch Babington's glass, so now it has nicotine, and then swap it back, so it doesn't have na- nicotine. Yeah, I think that's what's being implied. No, well, I, no. I I don't think one part of what you're saying is what's being implied. I think Sopara was saying that after the murder, in the confusion of the murder, it what was sorry with the death. Once this death has happened, in that confusion, it would be easy to switch out Babington or Doctor Strange's glass with one that didn't have nicotine in it. So when the glass got analyzed, it would mm-hmm. show no nicotine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, but it doesn't mean that like. Um, there's a way to target Babington with these glasses because they're kind of just like displayed and then whoever yeah. comes and gets it drinks it. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Poirot has he didn't prove anything to show that yet. Strange is not gonna drink it. Satterweight is also not gonna drink it. 
Um, and neither was one of the girls because they got their Angela or Egg got their drink from Charles. Yeah. I, so let's say let's say it's Angela. Angela gets a glass because I think that's the one who it is. She gets handed it by Sir Charles. And Mr. Sadikway, he doesn't take a glass from Sir Charles. He hands one to Miss Wills. Oh, so he just passed it on. Yeah. Yeah, he also takes one off the tray. Okay. And then uh, Strange isn't going to drink the glasses, though, because he, he doesn't like cocktails. Yes, he never drinks cocktails. What are you, what are you thinking, Kirsty? I'm wondering, like, who is skilled... I wonder if, like, maybe you don't have to be skilled to swap out these glasses. Could, mm-hmm. like, any person do it? Right. So this is this is the focus on the um, the first murder, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I really... Is super lost in plot right now. <laughs> I don't like, know, maybe we I'm should... I'm trying so hard to, like, come up with any valid theory. <laughs> like, usually I at least have, like, a handful of crazy theories by now, but... <laughs> Is it like too late in the day? I don't. I don't know what's going on. I... Maybe we should get this last bit of it's information. Just, it's just can... echoes in here right now. Yeah, <laughs> let's get that last bit of information. Okay, brainstorm it. Okay, okay. So this is the the kicker. So so Paro goes. He heads to um, Sir Charles's like household and like meet sees Miss Milray and basically starts to follow Miss Milray like she's going out to do something. And he follows her all the way back to Crow's Nest. So, again, Sir Charles, Rich Dune, has a house yep. in London and then has his house out in Crow's Nest. And he catches her with a crowbar in hand up at, like, there was, like, an outhouse, an outbuilding somewhere on the property. Um, he catches her with a crowbar in hand and he stops her, like, mid-swing as she's trying to destroy a bunch of beakers. Oh, my God. So that's the, this is, that's where he's, like no no miss milray and then it cuts and then we're going to the ending okay 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 okay. (laughs) speakers of i'm gonna assume nicotine Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and sorry who who's from crow's nest was it strange uh it's sir charles's house okay and miss milray was his housekeeper poirot followed miss milray miss milray back to dr strange's place no no, to the Sir city Charles. that Dr. Oh my gosh. Yes, sorry. That's what I meant. Right. But yeah. it's all... Okay, yes. Okay, and caught her mid-swing going for some beakers. Right. Okay. Uh, both Kirsty and Eric. Well, Eric looks really confused. Kirsty's just trying <laughs> to look over her notes feverishly to see mm-hmm. something she's missed. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we should take it from the beginning. So there's this... Um, very suspicious housekeeper who invites herself to uh, a party based off of like 13 being an unlucky number. Right. And she isn't the maid that hands out the drinks, right? She's a guest. Right. Yeah, no. The parlor maid is a separate person. Mm-hmm. I didn't even give her a name because she. <laughs> yeah. Parlor maid. Nameless, nameless maid. Yeah. Um, they hand out drinks. Babington dies. And Egg, I think Egg initially thinks that it is murder. Mm-hmm. But all the other characters don't think it's murder. No, Charles also thinks it's murder. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so Egg and Charles thinks it's murder. No one else thinks it's murder. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But Egg thinks that it's murder based off something she overheard Strange and Oliver talk about. Yes, and we never find out what that thing is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and w- never will. It doesn't come up in the solution either. Just FYI. <laughs> okay, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, act two, they go to the Riviera, and it turns out Strange has died drinking from a port glass. Nicotine. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, everyone rushes back, and we find out that the butler has gone missing, and he's trying to blackmail someone. The library has a secret grounds, uh, or a secret passage to the grounds, mm-hmm. um, which Egg mentions they might find uh, the butler's body in, but I guess they check it and they don't find him. They never talk about it again. Does it come up? <laughs> okay, a lot of... A lot of uh, Loose threads. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, unclear. Do they look into mm-hmm. it? Maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. So, Doctor Strange has told Oliver to crash his motorcycle into his house. Yeah, Oliver gets a letter a from him. Which, by the way, I didn't meant, I forgot to say this. Um, uh, Satterfleet asks if he still has the letter, and Manders is like, no, I ripped it up. Okay. Hmm. Okay. They both say that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm think. Okay, I'm trying Good to thought. work my way back here. Yeah. All right, Miss Milray. There's only two options, right? Option one, it's her. That's right. kind of lame. Option two, she's trying to protect someone. Who would she be trying to protect? Right. The only person I can think of was would be that she's trying to protect Sir Charles. Okay. But. Sir Charles can't be a suspect, or can he? Because he did have a mental breakdown. Mm -hmm. Maybe Sir Charles has like a split personality, and that's why he had to kill his best friend, Strange. (laughs) Okay. And why did he kill Babington, you ask? Well, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Right. But Rushbridger must have had some inside knowledge that Strange was killed by Charles, and that's why Charles mm. also takes her out. Killed her. Okay. And who was that old man in the raggedy clothes? It was Sir Charles. Mm. It's all a sham. Okay. Kirstie, how do you feel about that? Um, I don't know. That seems pretty wild. I... I... <laughs> To be fair, though, don't have any real idea um, what happened because these characters are dropping like flies. Right. You have three murders. The butler is probably dead also. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my God. Maybe the man was the butler. Maybe the butler killed Rush Bridger. I mean, maybe yeah. he's like weirdly associated. Like this newcomer comes in and he's like weirdly associated with these people. Um but I, okay, so let's go back to the housekeeper. I do think it's like it would be too obvious if it's her. Okay. The way it's been like laid out. Yeah. Um, she is incredibly suspicious though. So who could she be protecting? Uh, maybe her mom. Like maybe her mom is lying, but she would have this very strange motive of trying to kill all of these people. Right. I don't know. It's hinting at the like. 
these characters have seen something they shouldn't, and then this person now is like, like dominoes having to kill like yeah. these people. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, so, I who- also like to turn point out that Poirot was like, Charles needs to, you know, do his part in this investigation. I wonder what you know. Wonder if he knew already, all the way back then. Mm-hmm. Oh, then maybe it is Charles. Yeah, maybe Charles is crazy, and he kills Babington. Mm-hmm. Don't know why he. Okay, would. wait, wait, wait. Okay, we. I, I think one piece of information I haven't worked into this theory yet is Manders hating Babington. Yeah, I'm trying true. to figure out where how that ties in because it feels too specific to be like a misdirect. Okay. Uh, but I have no idea, so I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with my theory. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. Okay, so Eric, Eric's got a theory lined out. Um, Percy, would you like to agree with his theory, or would you like to um, either or add to it, or kind of like veer away from it and have kind of your own? I thought his theory. I, I can't even quite remember what his theory was, but it seemed quite outlandish listening to it. Okay. <laughs> so you think you you can you can do better? No, I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> I don't think you're right, but I I don't have the answer. Okay, okay. So we can end it with um, Eric says it's Sir Charles with his the rest of his theory, and Kirsty says doesn't know, but not Eric. <laughs> Do either of you remember my theory? <laughs> what the? So, both of you are like, yeah, it's Eric and his the theory he threw out earlier. Wait, wait, I don't can, know if the me, listeners remember. The, the bullet points are that. Sir Charles um, just has a split personality. It kills Doctor Strange because he's of the split personality. Um, but you don't know why he killed Babington. That one's a mystery. And Rush Bridger was because of she knew something. Man, all, all I'm hearing is I'm definitely very wrong because Caitlin can't even remember my theory. No, I, I think I summed that up pretty well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this could and- be totally out there but i think that mary's is actually very suspicious lady mary um lady mary yeah she wants to like marry her daughter off to this old dude okay is poor hates oh you know lady mary's poor sir charles has enough money to own two homes Mm -hmm. oh my goodness maybe the um maybe mary is rush bridger what I don't know. No, you're, that that theory is more insane than mine, and mine was completely <laughs> out there. Mary, Mary was making money off this rich old dude, but then Bartholomew Strange sends this rich dude away. Egg has no money. No, that was the rich dude was um, Mrs. Dacker's. Oh. You can, oh, I, oh. Not to say that oh, Lady oh Mary, I'm getting the theories totally mixed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to say that Lady Mary also isn't making money off someone, but just to say, like, that young rich dude that got sent away, yeah, okay. that was Mrs. Dacker's. All right, I'm still confused. Okay, like, let's, Kirsty, what were you thinking? Eric can have a thought on your theory. I was thinking, I don't know, maybe Mary's pretending to be this Rush Bridger. Okay. And maybe she's M, because uh, Strange is worried about M. Okay, yeah. M would fit in. So so we'll leave it at Eric's going for Sir Charles, Kirsty's going for Lady Mary, the way the pieces fall, slightly uncertain. <laughs> more so for Kirsty, Eric has a little bit more of a story put together. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry, listeners. You had to listen to us 
in our blind rambling. Yeah, we're just all confused right now. I, I feel like this is just real life. Like, this is most people who read these books and go, what in the heck? Who, who, how, when, where, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Which you don't often have this pause period where you force yourself to think about what could happen. Or at least I don't. I normally get to the end and I'm like, who cares what I think? What actually happened? And skip to the yeah. end. Yeah. I'm the same way. I love whodunits, but I love it because I turn off my brain and get to go, yeah. oh my gosh. That's whodunit, yeah. So this is kind of the, the forcing you to actually use your brain. So, sorry. It was only two hours, though. <laughs> okay, would you like the ending? Yes, yeah. please. Okay. I Sometimes I try and do this in like the long, drawn-out way where I save who it is to the end, but uh, that's a lot of work. So I'm just going to tell you that the murderer was... Sir Charles. Oh! <laughs> oh okay. my goodness. Okay. That went crazy. <laughs> oh my goodness. I feel like you both both throughout had right pieces that you would throw out to be like, what if this happened? And then just we continue on with the story. So right at the very beginning, I think it was Eric, but maybe it was Kirsty that said, what if whoever it was was just, what if Sir Charles was just trying to kill someone at random? And that's exactly what he was trying to do with um, Babington. He put poison in one of the glasses and he didn't care who died. Oh my God. He was just paving the way to see if it was possible to kill someone with nicotine and for it to go unsuspected by switching out the glasses. And it went better than expected. No one suspected murder. He totally got away with it with no suspect, no suspicion. Right. right? And so then mm-hmm. he goes from there and that's laying the base, right? He planned, he did his test. It was, um, uh, what what gives Poirot in the end the um, uh, what gives him the idea is someone says like dress rehearsal they're going to a dress rehearsal and he goes of course the Babington murder was a dress rehearsal for Sir Charles that's how that's why that one happened first and we all thought that the Doctor Strange murder was like the real murder and should have been the one to happen first exactly what happened so I tried. Uh, I was trying so hard to like not bring too much attention to that Sir Charles's original name, last name was Mug, and so it also had an M in it. But so mm-hmm. he is M in Doctor Strange's diary. So we've had that mental breakdown two years ago, basically never recovered. Doctor Strange, his friend, is worried about him and wants him to go back to his his mental hospital. Um, and it seems that we don't know this, but that. Um, Sir Charles does a similar view to Mr. or Captain Dacker's about like, he doesn't want to be shut up anywhere without like control of, without like autonomy of what he wants to do. And so it seems this is like the crazy motive. And I think it's like the reviews written about the book when it was written were like, what a, what a motive. I've never seen that motive in a mystery story before. (laughs) Um, but he basically kills his like good friend because he's worried that his friend is gonna like do some like put him make him go to a, a mental institution, a mental hospital. Mm-hmm. And so how he does it now, like to get to it, um, he's supposed to be at the Riviera, Riviera, but Mister Satterthwaite didn't see him at the Riviera until two days or a day or two after the murder was supposedly committed, and Poirot was able to prove with passports that that Sir Charles was in England during the murder. And um, he had, what had happened was he had convinced Dr. Strange that wouldn't it be hilarious if Sir Charles pretended to be in Butler for several months and then they hosted a dinner party with all their friends where Sir Charles Oh my gosh. 
And then at the end, they would spring it on all their friends and surprise them. And it would actually be Dr. Like Sir Charles that was the butler. And it'd be hilarious. Like, wouldn't that be so funny, guys? (laughs) (laughs) And so Dr. Strange was like, yeah, great idea. I'd love to do that. And so that's why he was joking with his butler about Mrs. de Rushbridger. It had nothing to do with her name. He just was messing with Sir Charles to be like, ha ha ha, you got her name right. That's pretty good that you like could remember her name because he's like not a butler he's sir charles right oh okay yeah so so sir charles tries to like draw attention away from this by making him go to the 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 sanatorium and like try and interview mrs rushbridger to like introduce her as like this new person because he doesn't want to draw attention to the butler he's like trying to get everyone's attention away from mr ellis because he's mr ellis and so that's how the butler that's why um Poirot says he doesn't think anyone will find Mr. Ellis alive because he's like, Mr. Ellis, Mr. Ellis doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. I'll find him alive because he, he never existed or he doesn't exist now. So right. as, as Poirot had kind of said before, the poison could be put in the pork glass before dinner. So anyone could have done it. And then when pork, because of like the way like glasses work, you'd only use the pork glass at the end with pork, I guess, whatever. Like we don't know. They know when the port was poured, Doctor Strange drinks the port, dies immediately, and Sir, all Sir Charles has to do is switch out the port glasses so that it won't be discovered. He just gets yeah. unlucky that there was a doctor that recognized the death as being poisoning right away, and so they were able to like determine that Doctor Strange died by nicotine poisoning, uh, examining his body, not just the glass. Yeah, yeah. So then he does his like interview with the police, and he fakes those. Um, those letters that he shoves under the gas fireplace. That's why he's able to find them. It's because he put them there. I think he was pretty disappointed. That oh the my. Didn't find them, to be honest. Uh, and he, he knows about the secret passage because he's not really a butler. He's Dr. Strange's friend. Right, right. And then he goes back to the Riviera to pretend to be, to go back to being Sir Charles and pretend he was never in England. Oh my <laughs> goodness. And so you're right in that, Eric, you're right in that he was the man in the, shaggy baggy clothes whatever shabby clothes that he fake sent that telegram because the other thing was is mrs de rushbridger would have no idea that Poirot was involved with the mystery why would anyone send him a telegram like she might know about sir charles and send sir charles a telegram but the fact that it was sent to Poirot tipped him off that it definitely wasn't mrs de rushbridger sending this message she has nothing to do with anything Again, Sir Charles... Sir Charles is like, I'll just poison this extra person, too. He's like, if I poison her, she can't talk. She can't say that she doesn't actually know anything because there's nothing to know. So, again, further distract from the butler. Exactly. Except that's kind of poorly thought out because, if anything, that makes you suspect the butler more. Because it's like, where's this Mr. Ellis person? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Like, when I I heard that, like, the Rushbridger died, I'm like, oh obviously my first thought was like oh the butler took right. her out right huh so sure fair enough if sir charles like did it the wrong way the other thing that poro says is that part of the reason he had faked that like whole death of sir charles he wanted to watch a very specific person's face and see what they thought and it was miss wills because miss oh. wills as they had said was really good at noticing things and so one of the things she noticed was the butler's hands handing everyone food and so when she talked about the birthmark that day with Sir Charles, it had been so that she could look at his hands and get a like look at them. Yeah. And she knew that Mr. Ellis and Sir Charles were the same person. And right. so when Sir Charles had quote unquote died, 
she was absolutely flabbergasted because she had suspected that he was the murderer. And so oh, that man. that proved to Poirot that she, she knew and he knew and they all knew. And so when Miss Wills disappears, it's because Hercule Poirot has told her that she needs to go into hiding because Sir Charles is coming for her because he's worried that she knows something. Oh, wow. Right. So when he goes to her house that day and we kind of don't really hear about it and he just says that like, yeah, I went to see Miss Wills and she wasn't there. It's because he was going to like get her. It Poirot was faster in this scenario. So then yeah, right. kind of what you were saying about Miss Milray destroying these things, either Miss Milray did it or she's covering for someone. At the very beginning when we said that Miss Milray was like gonna leave because she was worried about like talk in the town that like her and Sir Charles were a thing. Uh -huh. We're supposed to clue in at that point that clearly if she's worried about talk, it's because she's in love with Sir Charles. And so like, she's totally down to cover for him and his nicotine laboratory. And so she mm. has gone to destroy it to cover for Sir Charles, who was dumb enough to leave his nicotine extraction laboratory set up after three murders. Right. What... <laughs> Do we ever learn why Manders crashed his? Yes. <laughs> Dr. Oh, Strange goodness. did not send that letter. Sir Charles sent the letter as if pretending to be Dr. Strange uh, because he wanted Manders to show up to put the blame on him. He yeah, put the yeah. nicotine okay. newspaper article in his wallet. Like it was all a big farce. Ah, yes. And Manders is the right person to take the fall because he didn't like uh, Mr. Babington. Because he didn't like Mr. Babington yeah, yeah. and because I don't think. And because, because he is his, his enemy. Cause they're, yes. the egg likes both of them. Yes. Okay. Exactly. And so in case you're wondering about the love story portion of this all egg and Manders get together in the end, Manders changes his whole personality and it's more favorable and people like him again. <laughs> Happy sure. ever after for them. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, and Sir Charles has another kind of like mental breakdown. The Scotland Yard's there. They take him away where he can do no harm to anyone else. Right. And I think I've covered everything. Do you guys have any questions that I'm... I think all my questions are answered. That That is a, no a novel <laughs> motive, though. Mm -hmm, yeah. So when you guys were talking about like how I have no idea what the motive is, I was like, yeah, you're, this is a really ridiculous motive to guess that he just like hates his friends. Yeah, because I was like, okay... Like, Sir Charles is what I'm thinking. But then I'm like, why the fuck would Sir Charles kill his best friend? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe a little, I don't know if it's unfair, but I feel like if you're Agatha Christie at this point, you're like, you've killed everyone all the normal ways. And so you're just looking for. Yeah. For, <laughs> um, and we are on episode 54. So we're also looking for novel ways to kill off people. <laughs> We've done all the How was it? A good point, like, wow, there's a lot of M names coming up, and then, like, uh, ch turns out Charles is also an M name, wow. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So that, uh, there's, it's, with all this information, I was like, oh, do I say that his name is Mug? Like, is it going to be too obvious? And then I really need to think, no, it's never too obvious. It's always, <laughs> like, ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, there's too many different places to look and distract you. Okay, guys. Any final thoughts? Um, this was a fun one. Mm -hmm. I should have picked up on this link between Charles having a mental breakdown and Strange, you know, having a psychiatric hospital. That should have been. I should have 
included. I think this was solvable. Yeah, yeah, I think I so think too. And like at the beginning, I thought that was super like suspicious. Like, mm. oh, we're not gonna talk about how Charles mixed the drinks and then someone dies, and then like no one is like, <laughs> wow, that Charles, you killed this man. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there you go. I agree. I think this one. I think I included everything. I don't know though. Wait, I forget. Who did Charles hand his glass to? Hand a glass to? Angela Sutcliffe. Oh, that's kind of weird. You would have figured that he would have handed it to to Egg to not kill her in the so Russian. So he's election. not in love with Egg. He was using her completely to. Um, <gasps> he needed. He needed some way to like a reason to quote unquote leave the country, and so oh it was like goodness. purely he was pretending that he was in love with her. Like he's totally just out of it you know like he's he's just using people which makes sense if he's willing uh, to that's that's pretty cool i think i think charles is cool now what <laughs> Kirsty's like now that i know he's not into people 20 years younger than him i'm cool with it that's all right the murder he, he can play a little bit of nicotine russian roulette here and there it's whatever it is it is at the end sadder quaid is like you mean he could have poisoned me and her kill goes that's not important. He could have poisoned me. <laughs> and that's how and then the book ends. So. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I didn't know they were so funny. <laughs> if you're if you're ever in the neighborhood and come visit me, Kirsty, I'll lend you whatever Agatha Christie you want. Oh definitely. We should we should do a in person podcast when yes. Oh my gosh, that'd be so fun. I'm down. Um, so this has been the Tuesday Night Mystery Club. Um, if you would like to contact the show, you can do so with the email, which is TuesdayNightMysteryClub at gmail.com. If you'd like to get show updates, I occasionally post to the show's Instagram when, when episodes are released. Um, that is Tuesday Night Mystery Club on Instagram. I'm currently doing a Instagram story series about the floating adm- admirable. No, oh gosh, the floating admiral. Um, which is a book I'm reading and might do on the show on a future date. And if you would like uh, the, that character list that Eric and Kirsty were using throughout the episode, or if you would like other bonus content, you can subscribe to the Patreon, which is patron, 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 patreon.com slash Tuesday Night Mystery Club. And I'd like to thank our current patrons. At the Inspector Gamash level, we have Shelley Tao. At the Miss Jane Marple level, we have Michael Borello, Debbie Kravis, Barb McLean, Emily Shilton, Alex Young Davies, Stuart Falls, and Ned Wright. So thank you all so much for your support. And final thoughts, guys. Goodbyes. I don't. I don't think doctors. I don't think uh, Sir Charles is all right. He's actually kind <laughs> okay, of a bad. This might be a hot take, but like I think he's kind of a bad dude. <laughs> That's my, that's my closing thoughts. I think that he's a smart bad dude, and I have respect for okay. um, clever. Email me your thoughts on Sir Charles or send me a DM on Instagram. And happy Tuesday night, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.